on fire. And uh, we're actually looking into what it means to have God move in your life to create a change that will last for all eternity. On fire. There's no greater way to be on fire than to start having God do a work in you that you see become a change that is truly more eternal in nature. It starts rocking you with who he is and what he's doing and what it means and on fire. Lord, shape my heart, restore my soul that you might be glorified. And the thing is, is it sounds great and we love that and we come into the church and we hear different things we need to go after and all too often when we start going after it, we really just start manhandling it, trying to force it and make it look like something's happening when in fact inside we've maintained the same heart, uh, fractured uh, by sin itself. And so how do we go after life change? So let's just do this. Throw up the triangle here. And uh, if you want to turn in your books, right, this is in your books, booklets that you've got, all those on fire booklets. Turn to page 50 on that, uh, 50 and 51 there. And uh, man, if you don't have one of those on fire booklets, make sure you grab one on the way out. You can get one either at the ushers thing or even back at the welcome center. Make sure you get one of those booklets because we're walking through that uh, over the next weeks here, all right? So this triangle, notice there's three E's, encounter, exalt, engage, right? Encounter, exalt, engage. Just say the three E's with me. Encounter, exalt, engage. Man, let's start getting these words nailed down. Let's start figuring out what it means to go after these encounter. Lord, I'm ready to meet you and see you as you are. I'm ready to grasp who you are. May I meet you in your creation. May I meet you in your word. Lord, open my eyes to who you are. Encounter, right? But it doesn't stop there. It's not like, okay, now I've seen him. I guess I'm good. Let's just start doing some stuff. And it's not, everybody say not that. It's not that, man. And so encountering God, that's great. That's a good starting point. But now we move up to exalt. Exalt, all right? This means to worship. This means to celebrate. This means to take time before your God and make much of him. And uh, three words there are three phrases. Behold and be still and be filled. And last week we looked at behold, right? This idea of reaching out to your God crying out to him, calling out to him, praising him. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. And some huge beholding, okay? That's the reviewing with God who you see him to be. As you've encountered him in his word, now take it to him and thank him for who he is. Behold. And we're going to find even in the passage we look at today, there's a lot of beholding going on. And then be still. Right? We're in this posture with our arms raised up and we're crying out and thanking him for who he is and uh, be still, it literally, well, it means to drop your arms, okay? And uh, so this is more about now getting under and we're going to talk about that today. What does it mean to rest in him? Be still and then after that, be filled, okay? And so that's the three E's of exalt, and this is huge. I'm just telling you one of the major things we've missed. Uh, the Bible, Baptist Church Arena, I grew up in it, strong in the Word. And this huge encounter head teach. We get information, but be careful. You don't move from information right over to transformation. You move from information to worship. And from worship, there's transformation, and then you move out. 
okay? And so let's make sure we add this in, this big exalt piece. So today we're going to look at how to exalt, meaning being still before him. So turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 46, starting in verse 1. Psalm 46, starting in verse 1. And we're going to talk about how to be still and exalt him. Uh, First point, seek a whole restored heart in him. Seek a whole restored heart in him. Remember, you go back to the toxic series and we talked about this unrestored heart. So Lord, help my heart to be restored all for your glory. Lord, what needs to be shaped or changed in me? May you do that, you and your glory. And uh, seek a whole restored heart. And uh, as we go into verses 1 through 3 here, uh, the first thing we're going to learn is trust, not self-protection. That's letter A there. Trust, not self-protection. And uh, this heart, this quadrant of the heart that's all about trusting him. Here we go. Psalm 46 verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Please notice it says God is our, right? He's including those who are following after him, those who are trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior is the clarity we've got now. At that time, David was like, I know there is a God. His name is Yahweh, and he is leaning in. He's got plan for us. And yes, even in Old Testament, saved by faith, right? We see that in Romans chapter 4. It says Abraham believed God, and it was counted in him for righteousness, Those who are believing in God and trusting in him. And that's who he's talking about here. And he says, God is our refuge and strength. uh, Refuge. That word means shelter or protection from danger. God is our refuge. He's a protection in the midst of danger. uh, Are you going through a tough circumstance? Going through that moment that is making you question what is going on in this world and where is my God? And please know this, God is your refuge. There's a way to be leaning into him and hearing from him and being protected by him in the midst of the circumstance. We're going to talk more about that today. God is our refuge and strength, right? He's also our strength. Please notice this means like it's a power to bear up under trial and he's giving it to us. It doesn't say, I have strength, and you just fan the flame, right? It's not my strength. It's his strength. He's dumping in the very strength and energy to go after this. See, the problem is we usually go after our problems in my strength, right? And now I go after it in my strength, and what do I keep running into? Uh, Brick walls, right? Bad attitudes. I, I, I can't get this thing together, man, and... And I don't think this works. And just so you know, newsflash, that doesn't work. Okay? That's the point. That's the whole point. Lord, may I not work this thing out to where I keep running into dead ends. And uh, Lord, may I trust in you and your strength. And uh, his strength, his protection. And uh, he is our God. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. A very present help in trouble. Not just a help in trouble, but a very present help in trouble. Like, not the kind of help where when you say, help, and they're like, I don't really have time. I'll be there in a few days or a week. I don't really know what's going on over there. And I'm just, like, everybody say, not that. Not that, man. Very present help in the midst of your struggle right there with you. 
present, in fact, very present. That's your God. Do you believe that? Very present. Man, he is not leaving you alone in it. He is walking through it with you. Trust him. He's got purpose in what he's doing in your life. Lean on your God. A very present help in trouble. He says, therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say, right? What's the therefore, therefore? It's a connecting word, right? And it's connecting. If that's who God is, then what should I be doing? Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though, the, though its waters uh, roar and foam, though the mountain tremble at its swelling. We will not fear, right? And a huge moment for us to respond to our God. He's like, just so you know, God is our safety point. He's our strength poured in. He's right there with us. So no matter what the circumstance, you're like, uh, you don't know what I'm going through right now. And I'm just telling you, my circumstance is pretty big. And uh, Yeah, I think that's why he went to this description. Remember in the Hebrew poetry, you try to cover the end points and you count everything in between. So notice what he's saying here. Uh, Though the earth gives way, so now we've got this tangible physical earth, right? Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, so the giant mountains are crumbling down, right? In the midst of a trembling earthquake and the mountains coming down into the water and, and then right after it, uh, though the waters roar and foam, so now the sea's even coming against me, right? Uh, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, you know, like in the midst of a tsunami kind of thing, right? That's the description you have here. It's like, just so you know, it's all coming unglued. Is that how you feel? Because that's what he's talking about. And he's like, no fear even in the midst of that. And no matter what's going on, no matter what facet of my life seems to be coming unglued, my God is my refuge. My God is my strength. My God is very present in helping me. And all of God's people said, and that's our hope in him. That's our trust in him. God gives us a massive celebration for it. To exalt him, we must be able to see that he's worth trusting. Okay? To exalt him, truly, purely exalt him, we got to see that he's worth trusting. No circumstance is bigger than my God. No circumstance is bigger than my God. That's A. B. So letter B in your book there. Satisfaction, not self-gratification. Man, if we're seeking this whole heart, another piece is satisfaction, not self-gratification. Okay? So we talked about trust. Now we've got satisfaction. This is another quadrant of the heart that we talked about back in the toxic series and satisfaction. Notice here it starts out in uh, verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There's a lot of illusion here, and I'm not going to go into all the detail, but I'm just telling you this thought of a river, this understanding of what flows out from God. In fact, if you get to the end into Revelation to, to chapters 21 and 22, you start seeing the whole description of what it is to be with God right? And in the midst of the presence of God, it says that is, there's like a holiness coming out from him, like a stream, like a river. And, 
man, this reference of God and his manifest presence in your life like a river flowing out and it makes glad the city of God and it makes glad. That can be you. Makes me glad. And uh, please note, this is despite the circumstance, all right? Like, it doesn't matter what's going on. I'm with my God. His river is flowing out, and the manifest expression of God into my life, that's what actually matters most to me. And, and so in the midst of it, there is a joy, right? A celebration despite the circumstances as my God has it in hand. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. And here David is speaking very specifically of uh, the value of the presence of God in your life. And uh, yes, there is satisfaction in our king and finding our king as satisfying. And why, why is it? Why do we do this all the time? Why do we go around to physical things in this world and try to find satisfaction in them? Why do we do that, man? Isn't it crazy? I mean, in the end, let's admit it. It's created like we're created. And there was a guy who created it over all of it. His name is God Almighty, personal name Yahweh. He's revealed himself through Jesus Christ. And he said, listen, I spoke it into existence, man. It pales in comparison to me. Come with me. I will make you glad. And that's our hope in him. Deep satisfaction in God Almighty as he is a part of our life. That's our promise. And uh, man, may we stop running off to find satisfaction in the things of this world that by definition is foolishness as we try to find satisfaction in less than what is the most awesome. Lord, may I find satisfaction in you. And a satisfaction, not self-gratification. That's the second part. And he's like, Lord, help me to find gladness in you. And uh, letter C, hope. Not self-pity. Hope, not self-pity. That's letter C there. And again, this is the third part of that quadrant from back in the fall that we looked at of the heart needing to be looked at. So we've talked about trust. We've talked about satisfaction. Now we're looking at hope starting in verse 5. It says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Right? Like, just so you know, the presence of God in the midst of the city makes the city unmovable. Note the mountains, man, they're moving all over the place, right? He's like, just so you know, the, the earth may tremble and the mountains may, but I'm telling you, the city will be immovable. Why? Because I am the Lord your God and I change not. That's why. Why? Because my name is Yahweh, the I am. I've existed from eternity past to eternity future, and I'm telling you, nothing is greater than me. Nothing moves me. As I set up anchor, it is stable to the end. Praise be to God. And, uh, and that's what we're talking about, immovable because of the presence of our God. And uh, yes, we can trust in him. Yes, we can find gladness in him. And uh, yes, we can find hope in his presence. In this third piece here, it says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. God will help her. Man, know this. Your God is with you. 
He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're going through. He is your very present help. And as he comes alongside in the midst of whatever it is you're facing, know this, right there at just the right time. You might even be like, I don't know, man, it feels like he's not really acting right now. And, uh, you know, there's different thoughts to the phrase here and what it means, but it says, God will help her when morning dawns. And uh, isn't it true there are times where God has us walking through a desert and there's a, a season A short season often, but a season where he has us walk through that, through that, where we need to learn to lean on him, where we need to learn to set down whatever the stuff is around me and the me of it all, put it down and begin to look to him. And and it could be that this is more a reflection of saying, Lord, there's a season where you're letting me go through it, but I know you're going to be there right when it's required. I know you're going to be there as your plan unfolds, and you bring me the hope. It's not like he walks away and leaves you alone until, and then he comes and tries to catch up with you. He's right there with you through the whole thing, and he expresses his presence into your life just when the plan is set to. Your God knows what he's doing. Everybody say, my God has a plan. believe that? And that's our hope. This is what we lean on in him. God knows what he's doing. And I don't know what he's doing. But that's okay. I don't get what he did with this. And why would he? Hang on. Because he is your very present help. Notice it even says, when the morning dawns. Right? First time light is shed on this thing is God present in your life and right there with you. And there's so many different ways to take this metaphor, but I'll just tell you this. If we don't catch this point, we miss it. He's with me, man. He's with me. I'm not alone in this thing. And God's got a plan. That's where we're headed. And um, we're longing for you to work. As we trust in you, as we hope in you with all we've got. And we cannot exalt our God if we're not hoping in him, okay? We cannot exalt our God if we're not hoping in him and looking for his help along the way. Letter D, surrender, not self-rule. Surrender, not self-rule. This is the fourth part of the heart that we looked at. Surrender, not self-rule. And uh, notice it says, um, starting in verse 6, The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts, right? The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. There's this massive uh, frustration, even anger, uncertainty by the nations. There's some level of shaking fist at God that's going on here. Why? Well, because they want their way. I want it to be about me, please. I was looking at me being celebrated a little bit more here. A little more comfort would be nice. Could we please take some of this pain and struggle away right now? Thank you. Right? And we all know, we've been there, right? Where you start to get a little bit uptight with God about what the plan is. Right? 
And, and here are the nations rising up against, and they're shaking a fist at him, and they're angry, right? It says the kingdoms totter. They can't even stand under it. They, they, they barely have security in themselves. Then when they look to him and they shake a fist at him, things really go wrong, and uh, lots of struggle taking place. And then it says, he utters his voice, and the earth melts. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. Just contemplate that phrase for a moment. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. How did it all begin? He uttered his voice, and there was light. Right? He utters his voice, and it comes into existence. He utters his voice, and it comes to an end. You want to know what kind of power your God has, what kind of authority your God has? His spoken word is enough, and it manages it all. He utters, and it's done. Wouldn't we love that as parents? <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be awesome? You come in the room, and you're like, I have uttered the word. Why has nothing happened? This room is still a mess, right? And whatever it might be that's going on as we try to address, and we love to have those little godlike moments where we utter the word, the earth doesn't seem to melt, right? And uh, man, all too often we try to make much of me, and we don't nearly grasp the authority of our God. And uh, may we not be shaking a fist at him, but instead responding to him as the king who is in charge, surrender. Man, let's not be like these nations who are raging and tottering and the earth melting underneath. God has all authority. Everybody just say, God has all authority. Are you living like it? God has all authority. Lord, I want to know what you think on this, and that's what will be done. The end. I surrender to you. And, uh, now notice verse 7. It says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts is with us. The secret to the power of God Almighty and change in your life. Ready? He is with us. All right, hear it? He is with us. The name that was given in the Old Testament for him, Emmanuel, God with us. The almighty secret of life change, of all gladness, of all satisfaction, of all hope, of all trust, of all surrender, is he is with me. That is my hope. I am not in this alone. My God has this in hand, and he's moving a direction that will bring him glory. It will not be about my comfort. It will be about my king. I will live for that with all I've got. And he says, God is with us. And then he says, the God of Jacob is our fortress. This God who is over the God of all the nation of Israel, Yahweh, the Almighty, he is our fortress. Right? Not just a refuge now, a place from safety, but a fortress, like a defense against the attack. Fortress. That is my God. And uh, Do you feel the beholding that David has going on here? 
Can you feel this as he's celebrating the different pieces of who God is and he's lifting it up before him? Now just notice this. Verse 7 we just read says, The Lord of hosts is with me. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Look down to verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Are you seeing it? It's the same words again. And so really there's two parts to Psalm 46. And so we've broken it into two parts here. And we're letting the first part end with this phrase. Because he's with me. All of that stuff. I'm celebrating. And hang on, it's going to come up again. Okay? And that's our God. And, uh, we have hope in him. We have healing in him. We can trust in him. God's doing a work in us. Please note this. As you look at this, these verses, it's giving you the glory of your God that will heal facets of your heart and be restoring you to something you could never get to alone. As you focus on him, as you spend time with him, your heart being healed, okay? That's our goal. And Lord, may I bask in your glory. 2 Corinthians 3, the glory of the Holy Spirit transforms me. And so spend some time with your God, thanking him, beholding him, praising him, that he might literally heal you as his glory pours over you. All right. So um, it's a number of years ago, about 35, 40 years ago, there was this guy who uh, basically lost his mind and uh, grabbed a knife, a big one, and he went running into a museum and he ran up to this uh, painting of Rembrandt, the Night Watch. He grabbed the knife and he just started stabbing at it and stripping it and took this masterpiece of artwork and ripped it to ribbons. In fact, here's a picture of the uh, Night Watch of the artwork. So this is what he went after. And uh, he couldn't even quite explain why, but something in the light and all the rest of it, it just, it, it just bothered him. He was It just had to be, and he started tearing it up with this knife. He went after it and ripped it up. It wasn't but a little bit of time later, there was another guy, also off his rocker, lost it a little bit, and he decided to run into uh, St. Peter's Cathedral. And he ran in with, he was a geologist, so he took a geologist um, hammer, you know, the one you chisel little fine rocks out of, Took it, ran in, ran up to what's called the Pieta. It's actually a um, statue that was made by Michelangelo. It means pity. It's Mary holding Jesus. Let's throw that one up. Okay. Ran up to this with a geologist rock and started whacking at it. And then started screaming out, I am the son of God, not you. They need to worship me. And started hammering on this thing. And breaking it down into pieces. Pieces started flying everywhere. People that were standing there looking at the Pieta started picking up pieces, putting them in their pocket and walking away. Got me a piece of the Pieta. Right? And they walked away with it. And it turns out, as they went back now to talk about what they're going to, what would you do? I mean, you've got these pieces that are partially to almost completely destroyed. Yeah, just throw it out. Right? And they're like, it's a Rembrandt. It's a Michelangelo. So they spent the next couple years fixing these up, sewing together fabric, getting it to line up just right so that that Rembrandt painting would kind of look and be restored. They spent the time to work on it. They went back to the Pieta and they started putting the pieces back together and getting it fixed in place. In fact, there was one piece that they couldn't find. Mary's nose, somebody picked it up and put it in their pocket and walked away. 
So they went to the backside and they chiseled out a piece of granite from that and ended up shaping the nose and forming it and putting it back on. They did some restoring work. And I'm just telling you, that's how humanity works with artwork. How much more God with us. You hear me? In Ephesians 2.10, he says that we are his handiwork, his artwork. In fact, it literally means his poetry. And he's done something phenomenal in you. As we looked at last week, David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Are you getting that? The complexity of you, of your soul, of the physical body and how it all works together. And God at the center of that, working with that. And in the midst of all of the working, sin tearing us down, our heart quadrants being broken up into pieces. And God's coming in and doing a restoring work like no human could do. And all of God's people said, man, this divine work on your soul as he's restoring you to his absolute design. He's taking you to right where he wants you to be, mirroring the image of Jesus Christ as each quadrant of the heart is being restored. So simple question for you. What quadrants is God working on in you? As you look at these first seven verses, you look at the four different pieces, is God needing to work in the area of your life where maybe it needs to become more trust? Or more hope, more surrender. What's going on? Where's God working? Let's just do this. Let's throw up the hearts. Just throw it back a little bit. This comes back to the toxic series again. So remember the unrestored heart on the left. If you weren't here with us during the toxic series in the fall, man, get back and listen to that series. We walked through it in October, November, December, and uh, toxic. You want to catch up on what's going on with it. And, and on the left-hand side is the four quadrants of the heart. And start in the bottom right, where we end up being so broken and, and hurt by circumstances that we get into this self-protection, this worrying. But what if? And instead, we need to be trusting. Look at the right-hand side. Counting on God in the midst of the circumstance. He has purpose. God knows what he's doing. He is my confidence, my strength, my refuge. Right? You look at the uh, top right up there, the, the uh, foolishness, and I'm going after self, and, and I'm just going to run after me and make it all about me, and, and self-gratification, man, and, but what does it say in this passage, Psalm 46, that the rivers that come from God make me glad? Lord, may I find gratification in you, and as we pour over the Lord, help me see benefit in knowing you. He begins to restore us to the right-hand side where there's satisfaction. God is enough. We're fully sufficient in him. We're finding it. And then you drop to the bottom left again on the broken side. Well, maybe circumstances have it seeming like God just isn't there with you. And man, it's, we just start wondering if God even loves us. Is his presence even real? Is his love even real? Does God make good on his promise? And as we bask in this statement, he is here with me. And when the morning dawns, my God will be doing a great work. He is my very present help. I will count on him. 
Man, there is hope that starts coming as we trust in him and declare that out and starts healing our soul and moving us across. And it's God's work doing it, not us. And the last one, and maybe you're shaking a fist at God and you're saying, uh-uh, not on my watch. This is going to go down the way I want it to go down. And uh, that's called self-rule, right? In fact, at its highest levels, it ends up displaying itself in what we would call anger. It's blowout. It's self-assertion to get my way. And uh, man, as we sit under and understand this, his spoken word created everything. And his spoken word will end it all at the end as well. Revelation 19, we see it as he puts it in place. Know this, my God speaks and it is. I am done battling. I will surrender and put it under. God, you in charge of me. And that's what we're talking about here. Heart being moved from the left to the right. It's spending some time with your God. Where do you need to camp and hear from him? We brought it up last week, this week again. Time for our God to be worshipped as we're being restored. And all of God's people said, all right. Okay, second point. Stop fighting and recognize him as God. Stop fighting and recognize him as God. He says, come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Come, get close to him, man. Stop pushing away. Your God is a very present help. Now be with him. Please hear me. Come. It is not a geographic call. Somehow physically I need to get closer to him. This is about spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Stop pushing away from your God. Come. Okay? Come. Behold the works of the Lord. Which, by the way, he just did in the prior verses. As he's just looked at all the greatness of God in different ways and beheld them. But he's like, behold God's works in your own life. Man, look for those places where you can thank God, where you can see his grace at work in you. Behold his works, how he has brought desolations on the earth, uh, justice, right? And how he also makes wars to cease, peace. And so our God, he's both the author of justice and peace into this world. Notice it says he breaks the bow, shatters the spear, burns the chariot. In other words, man, I got real peace here. There's no need for weapons anymore. We're done with that. We're done battling. We're done fighting. On with peace. Can you imagine that day? When we ultimately get to realize full, complete peace. No sin, no battling, no war. No tears, no pain, no struggle. All of it done. As we're in his presence for eternity. And this is the work he's bringing in. And... uh, That's our God. He's like, behold those works in your life. I just wrote this. Come, behold a baby born to a virgin. Come. Come, behold the daughter of Jairus. Healed. Come, come to the tomb of Lazarus, raised from the dead. Come, come to the garden of Gethsemane as he prays beyond all measure for you and for me and his role in it. Come, behold the crown of thorns, him for me. Come, 
Behold the cross as he pays what we could never pay. Come, behold the empty tomb. He is risen. And all of God's people said, man, he is risen. Come, worship the Savior who's ascended into heaven, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Come, he is now working in your life. He's got plan, man. He's got purpose. He's right there with you. Come. Come let God do a work in you like you could not imagine. Come. What a gospel truth moment we have in him. And uh, how do we respond to that? So I come before that God. What should I do? Look what he says next. Be still and know that I am God. Come, be still and know that I am God. See, all too often we storm into the throne room of God to let him know who we are, right? And we're kicking a door down and we know the problem best as if he doesn't have any clue on what's going on. We're like, all right, clearly you don't know what's happening around here. Here's the problem that's going on, God. Can you not see what's happening? And I have a very specific request for you. And I have asked now nine times, what are you doing up there? Right? Super disrespectful as we approach our God and we allow self to well up. And he says, come and be still and know that I am God. Know that he is to be trusted and hoped and surrendered to and found satisfaction in, come and be still before your God. Man, he's doing something amazing. Let his authority wash over you. Let his power stand over you. Let his love draw you in, come, be still, and know that he is God. It says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God's got a plan that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's going to happen. Come, be still before him and recognize him as God now. Let's stop living life like we're in God, like we're God, and later on we'll give it up. Time to live it right now like he's God and we're giving it up to him. Come and be still. And then he ends it with, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Emmanuel, my defender, my king, he is very present with me. That's our God. And, uh, come be still. See, all too often we don't know how to do this and so we skip it. And so what I really wanted to do is I wanted to take the rest of today where we do this. It's time not just to hear about it, but to do it. Be still. I said at the very beginning, it literally means drop your arms. That's what it literally means. Stop fighting. Come into the throne room and drop your arms. Be still. Notice the first seven, eight verses. He's in a major behold. He's raising his hands. He's worshiping. God, you are awesome. This is who you are. And then he drops his hands. Be still. And that one-two punch of your posture of worship will wreck your old worship and bring you to a whole new level of God's glory pouring over you. 
So let's take some time right now to come before him and be still, all right? So I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Let's just go to prayer peace here. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're coming before you. You are God, and we worship you. We behold you in your glory. And just right where you are, celebrate your God. Some truths that you've learned of him from today, just quote it back to him. God, you are. Thank you for that. Worship him. you are a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We worship you. Behold him. I will not fear because of who you are. Lord, your river brings me gladness. I praise your name that I can be satisfied in you. Thank you. Lord, that you are right here with me and you are my hope in the midst of struggle. You are my hope. Lord, that you speak and it is the end. We worship you. Now do me a favor, right where you are, just stay seated. But raise your hands in the air, reaching out to him. This is a behold posture, remember? Hands straight up in the air, just reaching up to him with all you got. Just reach it out to him. And this is your moment before you, between you and your God, Behold him. God, you are almighty. You are powerful. You are present in my life. You have plan. I worship you. You have it in hand, and I'm trusting you. Behold him right now. still literally means drop your hands stop the fighting just set your hands down whatever circumstance it is that you're holding on to that has you so gripped it's just taking your hands now and cupping them like you're holding them and just holding it out to him and you're still Lord I'm handing this all to you Lord I'm handing my life to you No fighting and no battling. Set aside the circumstance. Just hold that circumstance before your God. He is awesome.
He is right here with you. Right here with you. Be still.